Hey everyone, I'm Cody, and you are listening to a public church podcast. I hope you enjoy the talk today, and thanks for listening. If you're watching at home, I hope you're standing up. I really don't know how you could sit through that. And here is a number to remember, 62. It's been 62 days since we had you guys online and you all in the room. Anybody happy about day number 63? Yes. Dual audience, we're back, man. It is so good to have you guys with us, whether you're sitting warm by the fire or whether you walked in and went, hey, where'd the snow go? It already melted. Welcome to Cleveland. But we are just thrilled to be here. And we're actually in part three of a series. I'll get to that series in just a moment. But first, we just wanna dive straight into some scripture that we read week one. You may wanna buckle up for this. Philippians 2.14 says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. How we doing on that, guys? Now, if you don't follow Jesus, we're honored that you're here. And this is a written to you. So you can sit back, relax, maybe try to grab your friend's Bible and like underline this because she needs it or he needs it, like whatever you need to do. But for those of us who follow Jesus, how are we doing compared to this? The problem is that's not all he says. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. Paul writes this. Paul's a human just like you and just like me. Yet he proposes a way of life where he could actually decrease our complaining. Now, not eliminate our complaining because the reality is for those of us who follow Jesus, We will never be fully restored until we are face-to-face with Jesus. Whether that's when we die or when Jesus comes back, when we're face-to-face with him, then we'll be fully restored. Until that point, we are always in process, gaining for progress. The problem is, a lot of us aren't gaining for progress in this area. If we asked our colleagues, our coworkers, our spouses, our family, how we're doing, We may not get the best answer, but they're sitting there going, please let them take notes today. Come on. I'm just, you know, let, let so-and-so. I mean, people are rooting for us to lean into this. Is there a way for us to actually decrease our complaining and grumbling that we can shine as bright lights right in the middle of our sphere of influence? I think we can because Paul proposes that there is a path to that. And it's gonna be found in our second rhythm. But first, just to give you a little context, we are in part three of a six-part series called Rhythms to Refine. The heart of the series is that it is a series of repentance, a series of refining, because here's what we observed. A whole lot of us struggled to follow Jesus in the absence of in-person gatherings. Maybe that's you. If so, I'm so glad you're tuning in or sitting in here. But we realize that, and guess whose fault that is? Honestly, that starts with us. It starts with me, and I own that. Because you know what our vision is? This is why this is such a problem. Our vision, it was like on the wall when you walked in, or you can look at our website if you're tuning in, develop a public church. That means what we do in here should affect how we live out there. That invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus, yet we've realized a whole lot of people are struggling to actually follow Jesus in the absence of in-person gatherings. So the series is refining. It's repentance. 
It's saying we realize we've not done, or we've actually done a poor job of equipping you to do that. And so we want to improve and do a better job. And so the premise of this series is that in order to follow Jesus for the long haul, we need to sync our lives with certain rhythms. That if we're really gonna embrace the journey of following Jesus for the long haul, we need to sync our lives with certain rhythms because these rhythms sustain us in our everyday journey with Jesus. So last week, rhythm number one, let the word reveal so Jesus can heal. Let the word reveal so Jesus can heal. Hill. Look, if you never listen to another talk from public church, please go back and listen to last week, rhythm number one, part two of the series, because we literally can't move forward without rhythm number one. Like everything else flows out of it. I don't know if you caught it, but Paul said that in verse 15. He said that we can shine like stars, shine like lights, that we're not throwing shade from the sideline, but we're right in the middle of culture, shining like stars, but how? Holding fast to the word of life. In other words, we can't be the Jesus followers that Jesus saved us to be unless we incorporate this rhythm of let the word reveal so Jesus can heal. We, we cannot follow Jesus for the long haul without a rhythm of being in the word and letting the word change us. So it all flows from there. And so that's our starting point. But today we want to look at the second rhythm that really hits a personal problem for most of us, which is we are incredibly proficient at grumbling and complaining, aren't we? I mean, we are good at it. So if there's a way to decrease that, perhaps we should lean in. Paul says that there is. And it's found in this second rhythm. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the rhythm, and then we can talk about it. The rhythm is this. Pray like a psalmist. Rhythm to sustain number two, pray like a psalmist. Defining terms. We could define pray a lot of different ways, but we're just simply going to define it to be simple as communicating with God. Now, notice you said communicating. I didn't say talking because communicating means we're talking and listening. Some of us are like, why isn't God speaking to me? And the reality is we need to shut up to give God a chance to speak up, okay? So that's free, but it's true, and I'm speaking to myself because I like to talk. So communicating with God. So we pray like a psalmist. Who are the psalmists? They're the authors of the 150 psalms that are found in what we call the Old Testament, what is also known as the Hebrew Bible. So if you have your Bible, our launching point is going to be in Psalm 62 because we're going to let a psalmist teach us how to pray like a psalmist. What a novel idea. <laughs> so as you're going there, perhaps if you follow Jesus, your thought is something like this. <laughs> Seriously? Prayer? You've had 62 days, and the best thing you can come up with for the first Sunday back is prayer. Like, that's, I've heard thousands of talks on prayer. Like, couldn't we have something better? To which I would say, you're actually grumbling or complaining, so maybe you actually need this talk. I'm just, just saying, okay? If you don't follow Jesus, you may be like, prayer? I'm not even sure God's real. And you're saying that I can actually talk with him? You know, I mean, what does that look like? Is it an audible voice? At least for me, I've never heard an audible voice. If I did, I think I would need new underwear. I'm just saying. <laughs> but there is a way to communicate with our creator, with the Jesus we sang about who died for us and rose again. And the psalmists are gonna show us that way. 
Psalm 62, verse eight. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. That's the key. Pour out your heart to him. Now, as we get into this, the problem is a whole lot of us have preconceived notions of prayer, and we've got all these thoughts going through our mind about what prayer is and what we think it is, and it's gonna be very tempting for us just to push back and kind of tune out at times. So I want to invite us to do something that Whitney, my wife, has taught me. When she's struggling with lies or insecurities, a lot of times she'll literally do this motion. She'll go, in other words, it's from 2 Corinthians 10, 5, like take your thoughts captive. She's like, grab it and it's out. So I just want to invite us not to throw away everything we've been taught on prayer, but to maybe grab it and just set it aside to learn how the psalmist pray. So could we all do that, whether you're in your living room or in this, if you're comfortable, just do that motion, ready, go. Just pull it and just set it aside. You may pick it back up at the end. But let's set it aside and let's let the psalmist teach us how to pour out our hearts to God. To do that, we're going to be in Psalm 69. We're going to walk through it. David wrote this. A little bit about David's bio. Greatest king in all of Israel's history. Murderer. Shepherd. Worship leader. Adulterer. Poet. A man after God's own heart. David was a phenomenal leader, and he was phenomenally flawed. I don't know about you, but that sounds a whole lot like me. Not the phenomenal leader part, the phenomenally flawed part. (laughs) Thought about that. I was like, ooh, that sounds really arrogant. (laughs) Gonna clean that up. Delete that out of the podcast. (laughs) But the phenomenally flawed part I can resonate with. David was human, just like us. And here's one thing that David was pretty consistently. He was authentic. And we're going to see that in his prayers. He says this, Psalm 69, verse 1, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. Go down to verse 14. He echoes this. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. David just goes in. There's no formalities. There's no, God, you're holy. It's just like, I'm drowning. It really reminds me a lot of Lecrae's song featuring John Legend called Drown. I highly recommend it if you haven't listened to it. Anything with John Legend's voice in it is so good. But he's just saying, look, I feel like I'm drowning. I'm absolutely in over my head. Do you feel like that? Coming out of 2020, entering the second month of 2021, I really think that there's something in this psalm that's gonna resonate with all of us. He goes on to say this, not only is he drowning, but he says, verse three, I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. This is bad. He's drowning, which means he feels like he's in a flood of water, yet his throat is parched. The guy can't catch a break. And maybe that's how you feel. I love the message paraphrase of verse three. It says, I'm hoarse from calling for help, bleary-eyed from searching the sky for God. Maybe you feel like that. (laughs) I've just been searching the sky for God. I'm bleary-eyed. My eyes are going blurry. I can't see anything in front of me. I definitely can't see God. I'm drowning and I'm thirsty and my throat is parched. I have literally no refreshment. I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. That's how David was talking to God. He says in verse four, those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. 
He got a lot of enemies. Many enemies tried to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. I actually like the ESV at the end of verse four. It's kind of a pithy question. He says, what I did not steal, must I now restore? David's like, so you're asking me to give back something that I never stole? Well, what's the deal here? He's like, you're holding me accountable for things, mistakes that I never made. I'm outnumbered. Count the hairs on my head. Like there's more enemies than that. He goes on in verse five and says, oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Stop. Huge. When we're pouring out our heart to God, we must also pour out our sins to God. We must confess. David, I'm drowning. I'm thirsty. I'm overwhelmed. My enemies are coming after me. But yet, God, I'm guilty too. Psalm 51, if you want to read a psalm of lament and a psalm of repenting, this was the psalm that David wrote after he had adultery with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, and then murdered her husband because he got her pregnant. Yeah, this guy is who we're reading about. Flawed, be it used by God, restored, forgiven, and honest with God here. We have to confess our sins. Verse six, don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel, for I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. David's saying something about his relationship with God is causing people to not like him. Maybe you felt that in this past year. That because people don't like God, they also don't like you because you follow Jesus. That's what he's saying here. He goes on to say passion or zeal. That word means diligent enthusiasm for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That phrase zeal for your house doesn't just mean like a literal house. It means the people of God. Here's what's going on. David, as he's watching the people of God, sees that they have some areas that they need to repent They've got some sins. They've got some places they need to refine in a big way and the people don't want to hear about it. Maybe that's been you. Over the course of 2020, as you look at public church or you look at the global church, you're like, the church has some areas it needs to repent. And you've talked to somebody like me or maybe even me and I've blown you off or somebody else has blown you off or you've gotten pushed back and you feel like, God, I have this passion to see your people actually live like your people and yet everyone's ignoring me. David felt lonely, isolated. Even in a room like this, he probably would have felt alone. He goes on to say, verse 10, when I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. <laughs> he says, like, I'm fasting. We just came out of a 21-day fast a couple weeks ago. He said, look, when I'm fasting, I get made fun of. He says, when I'm lamenting, that's what the next verse means, I get made fun of. Verse 12, I'm the favorite topic of town gossip and all the drunks sing about me. In other words, in David's town, there were drunks writing country music songs about David. That's what he's saying here. <laughs> he's saying, I am the joke. He said, I feel like I'm drowning. Man, you feel like that? Feel like maybe everybody's against you? David just tells God that he feels like that. Look at verse 13. He says, but I keep praying to you, Lord. The message says, and me, I pray. And me, I pray. No matter what they say about me, no matter the false accusations, no matter what's going on around me, you know what I do? I pray. 
hoping this time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, oh God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Do you hear his desperation? We read verses 14 and 15. Go to 16. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. Because, verse 19, you know, like God, you can see it all. You know of my shame, scorn, and disgrace. You see all that my enemies are doing. This is the heart of the psalm. David's saying, God, if you don't come through, I don't know what to do. I'm putting my hope in Jesus. It's just a question. When you were handed the divorce papers, who did you talk to about it? When your kid told you the thing that you hoped your kid would never tell you, who did you turn to? In 2020, when the furlough didn't work and they walked down to your office, said you're laid off, who'd you go talk to about it? When your best friend stabbed you in the back and you felt completely alone and isolated, who'd you talk to? When you've done everything right and yet you just feel like there's all this adversity and injustice and everything's being piled up against you, you're just doing the right thing. Who do you turn to? For David, he turned to God. To pray like a psalmist, it means we take the best and the worst of our lives and we run to Jesus. A few weeks ago, I'd been praying about something and I got what I considered like the worst possible news in this situation, at least to me. I probably blew it out of proportion in my head. But what I did is I went into, I was in my office and I went into the closet in my office, which is organized because Whitney rescued it from what I'd done with it. And so thank you, Whitney. But it's organized. I moved a couple things and I was able to just squeeze into my closet in my office and I shut the door and I just hit the ground. <sighs> and I yelled and I literally cried. What are you doing, God? I've been praying for this. Seriously? What are you going to do? And God didn't say, go read some Bible verses and walk back in here. I think he loved it. Because the only irreverent way to pray is fake. The only irreverent way to pray is fake. Some of us may not be praying very well because we were handed this idea of reverence, a biblical, a good idea. Probably handed a good definition that it's respect tinged with awe. But we weren't handed is how to practically be reverent in our prayers, how to walk that out and how we interact with our heavenly father. Because in reality, the only irreverent way to pray is fake. God already knows our thoughts. He already knows everything we're thinking. So why aren't we just telling him? In fact, he's the only one that can do anything about it. So why don't we put it before him and pour out our hearts, the good, the ugly, the unedited? Why don't we just pour it out before Jesus? If he can handle the cross, he can handle everything we're going through. So let's give it to him. And for me, when I walked out of that office, out of the closet in my office, I honestly, I felt better. Within 30 minutes, that situation was resolved. And I've reflected on that. And here's what I believe the Holy Spirit said. And again, no audible voice. For me, I've really been trying to listen and learn what it means to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I guess for me, it's almost like a thought is planted in my mind. And I 
test it by scripture and I'm pretty able to confirm that it's the Holy Spirit and here was the thought. I will not always do that, but you should always do that. The Holy Spirit said, I will not always do that, but you should always do that. In other words, Jesus isn't some genie in a bottle. It's like, Jesus, the situation's bad. Boom, it's fixed. That's not prayer. So he's not always gonna resolve it in 30 minutes, but we should always go cry out to him to pray like a psalmist. I'm not sure if you're ready for what David prays next. In fact, some of you may be like, is he really reading from the Bible? Yes, I'm literally, this is a Bible. Okay, I promise I'm reading from a Bible. Here's how David's prayer turns. Verse 22, let the bountiful table set before them, that's his enemies, become a snare and their prosperity, that word is shalom or peace, a way of life that's whole. Let their wholeness, their peace, their prosperity become a trap. He's just getting warmed up. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and make their body shake continually. Pour out your fury on them. Consume them with your burning anger. Let their homes be desolate and their tents be deserted. To the ones you have punished, they add insult to injury. They add to the pain of those you hurt. So pile their sins up high and don't let them go free. Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. Some of you are wondering, is this what Jesus meant when he said pray for your enemies? If so, I'm in. Come on, I can get on board with that. I will lead the prayer team, you know. (laughs) But it really raises a question. Jesus said, love your enemies. Another psalm, the psalmist prays that the skull of his enemies would be crushed against the rock. Look it up, you should read the Bible. (laughs) To say that Psalm 69 isn't like, David went off the rails, everything else is chill though and not. No, no, no. The whole Psalms are off the rails. Because that's how you pray like a psalmist. You get real and unedited and raw and vulnerable with God. And that's what David does here. Why don't we do that? Why are we uncomfortable right now? Maybe it's because in Romans 12, Paul <laughs> Talked about him earlier writing Philippians. He said, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. So we have all this tension, like how did this make it into the word of God? Because the only irreverent way to pray is fake. Because God can handle our mess and our junk and our anger and the unedited version of ourselves. So let's not lie to him. Let's not lie to ourselves. Let's pour out our hearts before him. That's what David did. And you see that in verse 29 as he says, I'm, I'm weak. Jesus, you, God, you got to come through. And then we get to verse 30. We like verse 30, actually. Verse 30 says this, then I will praise God's name with singing and I will honor him with thanksgiving for this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. We're like, yes, we got to the praise. We got to the hope. You don't get to verse 30 without praying verse one through 29. We want to skip verses 1 through 29 and just get to verse 30. We're not going to get to verse 30 unless we pray verses 1 through 29. And not every psalm resolves like this. Psalm 88, you know how it ends? Darkness is my closest friend. There's no up. There's no hope. There's no turn. Straight lament. Because in our lives, it doesn't always resolve. It may not even resolve in our lifetime. 
but we've got to bring it before Jesus. If anybody's going to do anything about it, he is the only one who can. And the only way that we can get to an authentic place of praise and worship from drowning is if we pray like a psalmist and pour out all of our hearts to him. Because what happens is when we pray, verses 1 through 29, we're recentered on the character of God. That's what happens here. Verse 32, the humble will see their God at work and be glad. The word humble means people who can't help themselves. They will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. David is recentered on the character of God. Then he says, praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas that all that move in them. So man, now that I'm remembering who you are, God, I praise you, I worship you. And then in verse 35, for God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah. His people will live there and settle in their own land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land and those who love them will live there in safety. Let's not miss that verse 35 and 36 are weird. That's not how I would have ended the psalm. I would have ended the psalm by being like, and God, you will deliver me. He didn't say that. He says, God, you will restore us. The restoration may not come for you. It may not come for me. But it will come for us. We sang the song Egypt. Love that song. Thank you for opening everything with that song. That was awesome. What about the people who were born and died and their children were born and died and their grandchildren were born and died during the 400 years of slavery. The restoration didn't come from those individuals, but it did come from the people of God. So we pray like a psalmist, we're reminded it's bigger than us and that we can trust the character of God even if he doesn't literally come through for me in the way that I want him to even if he doesn't literally come through for you. What's stopping us from praying like a psalmist? Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16, there's this powerful, potentially life-changing, prayer-altering verses about Jesus. In verse 15, it says this, this high priest of ours, this Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus says, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. Even if it looks like I don't do anything, pour out your heart to me. It's gonna be, take some time for us to figure out how to incorporate this rhythm into our lives. We're gonna have to experiment for me Lately, it's been coming through walking. The first two books I read this year were by Eugene Peterson and Rebecca Lyons. They both talked a lot about walking. And so lately when I've been frustrated, I can't always do this, but when I have the opportunity, instead of just suppressing and trying to move on, I'll literally just go for a walk and yell, shake my fist at heaven, ask for forgiveness for yelling, <laughs> the whole gamut. Admit my sins and it. Just have a real, authentic, unedited conversation Jesus. Sometimes I come in in a journal, sometimes I don't. That's what it looks like for me to begin to pray like a psalmist. What does that look like for you? There's going to be three questions that are going to be on the screen. I want to invite you to write these down, take a picture of them. If you're watching online, maybe you can take a picture of these and just to walk through these questions with somebody soon. 
These will help us pray like a psalmist. Number one, what part of Psalm 69 resonated most with you? Really think some part's gonna resonate with us. The second question, I love this. What keeps you from crying out to God with your raw, authentic emotions? What is it that holds us back? Remember, the only irreverent way to pray is fake. Let's pray. Let's be honest. Let's be authentic. Let's be raw. And then how will you pray like a psalmist this week? And look, if you don't follow Jesus, maybe one of the reasons you don't is you're like, I can't get that prayer right that they always say at the end and I get the words. Hey, just talk to Jesus. If you want to surrender to him because he died and rose again, just tell him. If you have questions about him, just voice your questions and doubts. He can handle it. And if you want help on that journey, text us 423-665-9317. Or if you're in the room, Tiffany Duell from our prayer team, she's out in the lobby and she would love to pray over you to talk with you. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or complaining. A lot of us wanna be able to do that, but here's the reality. We're never gonna change how we talk to people in the marketplace until we change how we talk to Jesus in our secret place. The way to decrease our grumbling and complaining is to talk to the only one who can actually do something about everything, no matter what we're going through. So as these guys lead us in a song, pray like a psalmist. If that means you get on your knees or you stand up and shake your fist to heaven, pray like a psalmist. If that means you journal or you sit in solitude, pray like a psalmist. This is our moment to be real with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay, or by texting PUBLIC CHURCH in all caps with no space to 77977. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.